Five years ago, we took the Financial Peace University course that was offered to FCC, and at that time, it wasn't because we were in any sort of financial peril. We just wanted to learn better how to be better stewards of what we had, and we took a lot of those principles and started applying them to our lives. For me, it kind of started, you know, we started um, tithing, and, you know, that it was a big step for us, and it was something because our finances, you know, I'm self-employed, so our finances are all over, but we were just trying to be as dedicated as we could to that and um, not being afraid to give more. And um, it seems like from there, you know, um, we were faithful, and God's been faithful. Um, as of late... Um, I found out that I was going to be losing my job in mid-October. And at that time, we had had some serious conversations about paying off our house. And really, there was no reason for us not to. We just needed to do it. So about three weeks after I learned um, that I was going to be losing my job, Eric sent me a message at work that said, we paid the house off today. And it was a moment of celebration. Um, for the first time in our adult lives, we didn't have a cent of debt to our names. And that was a real freeing and liberating experience. That's where we look to the course to give us some guidance. And, and it's, it's like anything else, you know, I'm a chef by trade. You go to culinary school and, and they teach you the principles. And it's not like they give you the recipe. They teach you the method and you follow the method and it, it works, you know, it's proven. For me, I think it's easier to go and to listen to God without extra burdens sitting on your shoulders. And for me, not having that financial burden um, really frees me up to, to listen um, and to hear the voice of God. And if that's what we're all called to do, then I think everyone should take the course and have that burden taken off of their shoulders. Would you please thank Eric and Becky for letting us peer into their lives a little bit? Can you thank them? Uh, I, I say that because I know it's a little bit, you know, when we approach them, hey, do you think we could tell your story you can imagine a little bit, well, how, you know, you don't peer into other people's finances per se. And so it was, we very much appreciate their willingness to say, hey, God really worked in our lives. And when we came to this crisis moment, if you will, of no job potentially, then it wasn't a crisis moment. So we're going to talk about that today. And for those of you who are guests today, my name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team. And I'm very glad you're with us today. And we're looking, going to look at some scripture together today. And... Um, one of the things that you come to church, I would ex expect, and with some expectations of what you're going to hear, some ways in which to live life, some ways in which to maybe approach the coming week a little bit differently than you did last week, some proverbial help, if you will. And so in that light, I've got some Proverbs that I'd like to bring to you today. Some, you know, there's a book in Scripture called Proverbs, and so I thought I'd bring you some Proverbs. Like, for example, here's a proverb called the Proverb or the Law of the Bath. When the body is fully immersed in water, that's when the telephone rings. <laughs> now, you have to work with me here a little bit, on, okay? Work with me on this because not all of these are found in Scripture. Well, 
None of them are. Just one. Just one. Here's, one, here's a proverb that would might, might work for you well this week. Red meat is not bad for you. Green fuzzy meat is bad for you, but not red meat. Come on now. Come on. Money isn't everything, but it sure keeps the kids in touch. Some of you know that truthfully very much, okay? Keep the dream alive. You've heard people say that, right? Keep the dream alive. Well, then hit the snooze button. That's about how you're going to do that. <laughs> never, never under any circumstances take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. <laughs> Why are some of you, some of you are laughing like you know that? A husband is someone who takes out the trash and gives the impression he just, compl- he just cleaned the whole house. Well, he did, didn't he? Because a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And then a woman must do what he can't. They should make an alarm that sounds like a dog getting ready to vomit. That'll get you out of bed faster than anyone else, right? Some of you weren't so fast. Do you need me to say it again? They should make an alarm that sounds like a dog getting ready to vomit. You'd be out of bed in a shot like that, right? Here's another one. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. No laughter. Because we go, oh, it's not only not funny, it is like, oof, unbelievably potent. That's the one from Scripture. And that's where I want to spoke, have, some, have us focus some time on today. With this idea in mind, we're coming to the end of this sermon series called Common Threads. A little bit of background as to why we've been doing these, this series called Common Threads. Last July, I came up on the 30-year mark that I've been in pastoral ministry. And um, I was doing some reflection on that, thinking about the things I'd learned, the people I'd heard from in those 30 years. And it became apparent to me as I was thinking about that, that there were lots of conversations that I'd had with people about this, that, and the other. And lots of times the people said, hey, pastor, will you pray with me about this? And so um, as I was reflecting on that, it occurred to me, you know, there's some categories that people bring to me on a regular basis. That's been the uh, focal point of this message series. People want to talk about and pray, have a prayer about their relationships. They want to pray about their health. They want to pray about direction. Where are we going to go? How are we going to do this, that, or the other? Direction. And then they want to pray about their spirituality. And then finally, they want to pray about their finances. And I've had many, many people. I had a lady today come and say, Pastor, I've, I, my job is not going well, and I'm really worried how this is going to play out. And... Uh, You know, there's some truth there. And so as we were planning this series of number of months back, we began to think, how can we help our congregation be be mindful that there are other people who pray for each other and that there are leaders who pray about these matters, these common threads in the life of the church. And so we come up with this idea, this crazy idea to put some threads around our wrists for a few weeks. And if you are sitting in the pew today, uh, and somewhere there, there's a, a cup that's got some green threads in it. And we've been choosing different colors for each week. We thought that green would be the appropriate color when we talk about finances. Does that seem to make sense? So maybe you've had yours around your wrist, like I've got mine today. Maybe you, um, maybe you have tied yours onto the purse, under your purse, or around a keychain or something or other. And really what I want you to be aware of is that as you come across this in the coming days, be affirmed 
be absolutely convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are people praying for you when it comes to these areas, your relationships, your health, your direction, your spirituality, and specifically this week, how's it going with your finances? Because scripture has a lot to say about this practical area of our lives. And the reason you are, many in the room, are planning to go to work tomorrow is because it's about financial issues or financial, you want to take care of your family. And so how are you going to do that? What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible does say that the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Would you, would you read that aloud with me today? The wise store up choice food and olive oil but fools gulp theirs down. So you came to church today saying, what are some spiritual axioms that could work in my life? And you go, I don't know that I wanted to come and hear a, a, a seminar on financial planning. I'm not suggesting we do that today. But I am suggesting that even based on that small passage, that small phrase that we just read, the Bible does have guidelines about how we should live when it comes to our, fina our financial well-being in our households. And I want to give you a biblical overview. And in that regard, I want you to understand that it'd be, I think it'd be really cool if everybody in the life of our church would come to the place of where you see that Eric and Becky have come to. Not necessarily wealthy, that's not the issue, but a place in our financial lives where we've got emergency, we've, pardon me, we've got margin for emergencies and margin so that we can live generously. It's an emergency when you hear you're about to lose your job. If you're about to lose your job, do you have some margin in your life financially where that's not a panic moment? And then you also want to be people, I'm sure, who want to give generously, and Scripture calls you to be generous, and yet generosity can't be part of your life if there's no financial margin in your home. What do I mean by margin? Well, margin is living so that there's space in our lives beyond just running the life to the very edge financially, but there's space for rest and across the board, not just financially, but for rest and laughter and for joy and for love and for quietness, for art, for beauty, and even time when it's necessary for sadness. I've thought about how could I best explain that to you, this idea of margin. Well, take a look at the slide that's about to appear on the screen behind me. It's a screen that has absolutely no margin whatsoever. Familiar? Uh, language. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them, and it goes on from there. You, where's that from? Hello, Americans. Where's it from? <laughs> the, come on, help me out here from the Declaration of Independence, right? And, but it's hard to read that because it's it's, every space is taken up, right? What if we were to take that same language and put it on a slide or on a piece of paper where it had some space in it. Here it is, the same language again, next slide. Same thing. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, and it goes on from there. Do you see how it's just easier to read and it's easier to take in? Well, what about if we took that same, that same um, passage again, that same text, and this time it's not only, not a week, we're not out to the very edge, and we're not just put some space, what if we put some art and some beauty? Here's another slide, same text, this time with some art, some beauty, and some color. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Do you see what happens when there's margin, and there's space, and there's beauty? The words kind of pop off the screen, pop off the paper, if you will, and we have this space 
where we can enjoy and understand the power of the language. It's the same in our financial lives. If you live from paycheck to paycheck, living life right to the edge with no margin, then there's a problem because there's no room for life's beauty, for life's space, or for life's art. And I know that no one in the room wants to live extended that way. We want to dress our lives up a little more with beauty and some breathing room and some art and just moments of joy. And that really is the point of Proverbs chapter 21, 20. When, it, when scripture says you can either store up some choice food and oil or you can use it all in one day. You can live chewing up all your resources as soon as you get them. And scripture indicates that's very foolish. But instead a wise person thinks about how can I use these resources with a much more judicious approach. A plan, a thought towards the future with some sound judgment. How am I going to do that? Because if I can live that way, when the moments come along that I wasn't expecting, it's not a crisis. And life is easier. When the car needs a transmission that you didn't know it was going to need. When the washing machine goes to washing machine heaven, wherever that might be, I don't know. When those moments come along, when there's margin in our lives financially, then we are not beholden to a credit card company or a title loan company. The margin gives us relief and goes, okay, God's blessing me in the midst of this crisis because God helped me a year ago make some plans and put some space in my life. And then, not only when crisis or when not crisis, but these emergencies come along, if we can create margin in our lives financially, then when the work of God legitimately calls us to be generous as well, there's space to respond accordingly. Jesus talked about this. He talked about how we should live our lives, specifically and generally. For example, one day some people who were always interested in Jesus' ministry, they were known as a group of people called the Pharisees, leaders of the people of Israel during Jesus' day. Some of them liked them, some of them didn't. And they got together, and um, we read this in Matthew 22, that the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what, what's the greatest commandment? I mean, what's the thing that God wants me to do most? In the law, what's the greatest thing? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, you guys listening, all the law and the prophets. If you want to sum up all the ways in which God wants you to live, then it's all summed up in these two commandments. Honor God, honor other people. And you go, well, what's that got to do with financial margin in my life? Well, simply put, this is Jesus' best response to how to live our lives. Honor God with all that you have, all that you are, and all that you hope to be. And then, coming from that, also treat others with kindness and generosity, with all that you are, all that you have, and all that you hope to be. I want you to notice, Jesus didn't say, hey, you got to live in some destitute way if you want to honor God. He, I, I notice that Jesus didn't say, man, you got to live in the dregs of the culture. He didn't say that at all. He didn't say that the best way to follow God is, is there's no commandment about the best way to follow God is to be, live a life of poverty. No. He said, how do you want, if you, what's the greatest thing to do? 
Honor God, honor others. So how does that work with our finances? Well, on Tuesday of this week, I was sitting in a coffee shop here in the city working on this message. And uh, I'm known a little bit there. People know because I go there usually every Tuesday afternoon to work on message sermons coming up. And I try to create, carve a little space that's mine, if you will. And so I'm not interrupted too much. But this guy comes up. Hey, pastor, what you working on? And I wanted to go, well, I'm kind of working on, I got a few people coming to hear what I have to say on Sunday and Saturday. So, but nonetheless, he sits down and he wants to talk to me. What's the message about this week? And I said, well, you know, I've, we've been doing this common threads thing and I've been, we're talking about financial matters and that this, is, this was not necessarily um, a, a message on tithing or anything like that, though that's maybe some of it, but more so um, I said, I, I'm just wanting to help people find some space in their lives so they can honor God and honor others. And I get concerned that people run their financial lives right to the edge. And he came back with a very profound statement. He says, well, they've either got to earn more or better yet, spend less. <laughs> I could have closed up my Bible and put my notes away and <laughs> done. Right? That's it. Pretty straight up. You want to create this sense of beauty and space for laughter and when the crises come or the emergencies come and you want to be a person of generosity, you either got to earn more or spend less if you want to need more space. And I'm aware, I want to be very particular about this for a moment. I'm aware that some in the room are unemployed or underemployed and for you, this is very difficult because you're in a very bad spot right now. I'm, I don't want to just give out pithy statements and say, get over it or anything. But I, I, you know, here's what I want you to be aware. That if that's you today, I'm praying. I'm going to be praying all this week. That this underemployment or just unemployment, I'm praying that that's a season and not a lifestyle. That this is a season that God is pulling you through and you're going to get to the other side of that. And you're going to get to the place where you say, I'm not living life to the very edge. Because sadly, most of America, it seems, lives right to the very edge. I've done some research on that this week. Figures for 2015 indicate that in households, I don't know how many households we have in America, 330 million people, that's a lot of households, 140 million, 140 million households maybe, I don't know, something to that effect. In those households, the average credit card debt is $15,000. Average credit card debt. The average auto loan debt is $26,000. The average student loan debt is $47,000. If you add in the other kind of debt that we all have and we all carry or many people carry, the result is that the average debt in every household in America, if you bring it out, is $129,000 per house. Now, praise be to God, there are many people in our congregation who don't live that way anymore. You've, you've taken some biblical principles and applied them and you're on the other side of all of that. But that figure was so stunning to me, $129,000 if we were to spread it all out. I go back to the office Tuesday afternoon, called up Peggy in the front office. I said, Peggy, uh, how many families attend our church of late? Not individuals, but how many families are represented? Different household addresses where we know somebody attends our church on a regular basis. 857 families. The computer printed it out for us. 857 families times $129,000 is $111 million in debt 
in our own congregation. Now, suddenly $129,000 per family sounds extremely problematic, doesn't it? Because imagine what God could do through us together if we didn't have $111 million in debt. See, here's what I'm quite aware of. The people of this congregation, you, me, we all want to be generous. I know that's, I know that's your heart. It's my heart. And any, because any person who strives to follow God, you, I mean, because of what God has done in our lives through Jesus Christ, we want to be so generous. We've received this huge dose of amazing grace that's larger than what we could ever pay for, larger than what we deserve, and certainly even larger than what we need. Because I'm aware of this. If my need for grace is this high, God's grace is this big. If my need for, God's, for grace is this wide, God's love exceeds that completely. God is an extravagant God who gives and gives and gives. He gives us, if you will, the beauty of a summer sunset here in Illinois looking over the corn. That's a gift from God to you and to me. It's, it's one of those sweet moments. And you see that and you go, Wow. Or he gives us the amazement of a winter's day's sunrise. You've seen those. Even if you don't like winter, I'm not a winter's fan. Not at all. But there is that sense of beauty as you see the sun coming up over the snow and the crystals form and you see the ice on the trees. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? God gives us the gift of the overwhelming love of a child in their eyes as they look toward us as who are their adults and their parents and their family members. And we go, wow. And then on top of all of that, all those kinds of gifts, God gives us the gift of knowing him through Jesus Christ. And we can be people of prayer. We can be people who come to God and say, God, what about this? What about this? He acts extravagantly in our lives. And for those of us who follow him in Jesus Christ, there's just natural within us then that we want to act like God acts. We want to be extravagantly generous as well. But who are we kidding? With $111 million in debt, it's difficult, isn't it? Now, I, this congregation, I'm not, I'm not slamming anybody. I'm just suggesting, as a congregation or as households, could we do things differently here at First Christian Church? Can we live with such extravagant generosity like God's approach to life? Is it possible, friends, if there's financial margin in your life? I get it. If there's no margin, that's really hard to be generous. See, it's one thing to say, I will obediently tithe my income. And I love that there are many people in our congregation who tithe. And I, I assume that you do. But for us to be able to go beyond that with this kind of extravagant life requires that we take a look at the margin within our lives. Because I'm aware, I don't know, I know of no one who chooses to be greedy. I know of no one who has deep down within them saying, well, I just want everything. No, I think most people are saying, well, I'd like to have some more resources. Yeah, for me, because there's that kind of thing over there that I've always had my eye on. I wish I could purchase that. And, or, but in the long run, if you ask people, if you, if you did have a lot more resources, what would you do with it? You know what the automatic response is? Well, I would like to help my family do this. I'd like to help my family do this. And I've got these charities and I've got these ministries I'd like to really, really support. That's the heart of people who follow God. Because we receive such a tremendous dose of grace from God, we just want to, it just, it's automatic. 
Well, I want, I want to be like that. That's why I would suggest, as you um, saw with Aaron, Eric and Becky, that they took Financial Peace University. And if you know what that is, a little plug here. Dave Ramsey is on a local radio station. He's on 500 stations across the country. He has a, new, a program called uh, Financial Peace University. I would suggest, if you've not walked your way through that, and we've had hundreds of people walk their way through that, you might consider taking that starts this Wednesday night. And... Um, Sign up inside the bulletin today, inside the program. There's a blue sheet there and you could, you could live life differently. I promise you that in a few months from now, if you put some of those principles in place, I promise you, your life will be different than it is today. Because what I want to see happen in all of our lives is some financial margin. And financial margin is the difference between what you have versus what you need. And it's always better to have more to have more than what you need versus to have more needs than what you have. That's a biblical principle. Proverbs chapter 21 says, the wise person stores up and makes plans for when the needs come along instead of this way. And the foolish person does life this way. This idea of helping our congregation um, sort of manage this was what the, the brainchild, if you will, behind what we've done with kids in, our, in the third grade. Because I don't want I'd like to, is there a way in which, we came with this question, is there a way in which we could help parents teach their children at a young age how to do this so that when those kids leave the house, they don't, they don't say, make the same mistakes that parents make, that, you know, that the generation of today made or the, is there, so what we've done is for kids in third grade, uh, what, every, it's, it's, it's in three weeks, right, Lori? We invite parents in and we teach them how to teach their third graders. And they walk away with this gift from the church and they end up with three little piggy banks. And we say, we say to the kids, just like your folks want to do, here's how you could live life. When you get your allowance, there's some money you can spend. It's okay to spend money. There's some money that you should give. And then some money that you should save. And so those, those third graders, eight and nine years, year, year olds, walk away with this and they go, okay, I'm going to live my life differently. And my hope is that we can train them so that 10 years from being eight or nine years old, when they turn 18 and the solicitations from credit card companies come, they've got some answers and some ways to respond to that and say, okay, I know how to handle this. That's why we give it away. And you know what, friends? There's, they, I'll put it this way. That a generous spirit or a generous attitude is not based on how much you have, but on how you live. Do you catch that? It's not, because little kids, they don't have a lot of money. They get a weekly allowance. They get a dollar, maybe, maybe $5. And if we can teach them at that age to divide that, imagine how that'll play it on their lives when they're 18 and when they're 28 and when they're 38 and they've got three kids of their own and a house and two cars and kids want to play sports and they want to play, take piano lessons and all that sort of stuff, can we help them with that? Friends, your desire to have a generous spirit and want to live that out, it's not based on how much you have. But it's based on how you live. So, before we close, I'd like to suggest this. I would like to ask you to align your actions in a way that is consistent with your beliefs. Align your actions in a way that is consistent with your beliefs. You say deep down you want to honor God and honor others. 
If that's what you believe in your heart, then begin acting that way by creating some margin. Take steps this week. If nothing else, get signed up for that class and we'll show you how to do it. And hear me, it's not our business. It's not my business to be in your business. That's not what the, the focus of this is. It's my responsibility and the responsibility of this church to help you with your business. There's a difference. I, I'm not trying to dig around in your stuff. I just want to be certain, is your stuff honoring God and honoring others? You're the one who's going to determine that. And so, uh, in order to help you understand this a little bit more, I, I've got one more thing I want you to see on the screens today. And that is, we've got a story from someone in our congregation who has made some choices of late to create this financial margin in his life. And uh, we want to tell the story via video in, a, in an unusual way because we, we wanted to draw attention, if we could, away from the individual and more to the story. In other words, he didn't want to be the hero, but more so... We wanted you to listen from a fellow learner and discover what he's discovered, that when there's financial margin and when there's a willingness to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you and you've got the space, then that willingness to listen to the voice of God and when a need comes along, a beautiful story is the result. So to help you, because of the way we've taped this, I want to kind of set it up, if you will with this understanding. I want you to imagine today, you're leaving downtown Chicago. You've been in downtown Chicago on business, and you're catching the train from Chicago by yourself back to O'Hare to get on Air Choice One to get home that night. And uh, you're reading a book about how God wants to work in people's lives on the train, and the only thing you have in, a po in, in your pocket is a $50 bill. And that 50 bucks is supposed to get you home. You have no quarters, you have no dimes, you don't have a dollar bill, you don't have a $10 bill. All you have is a $10 bill. I mean, obviously with some credit cards or whatever, but in terms of available cash, that's all you've got. How are you going to live with some margin when that's all you've got if the need and moment of generosity shows up? There's the setup. That's what you're doing. Watch the screen and watch what happens. So I'm um, on the train going from downtown Chicago to O'Hare Airport. And as I'm riding, I notice sort of in this little alcove at the very back of, of the train car, um, this couple and a dog lying on the ground. It was very obvious that they were probably homeless people, um, very disheveled looking, um, dirty. This couple separated and uh, I noticed them. For some reason in my heart, I started feeling led to do something for them, but I had this sort of struggle going on in my mind because I knew that the only money that I had on me was a $50 bill and it just seemed like at that moment a lot to give. At this point as I'm having this sort of mental struggle and this conversation with God and you know is this, is this really what you want me to do because if it is I'll do it. Um, I go to look up the next Bible reference and at the very top of the page it says giving to the needy. Not even a second later the girl turned to me and said sir would you have a dollar that you could spare? I knew what God wanted me to do at that moment. There was no question at all. And I said, I really believe that God wants you to know that he's watching over you. And I slipped the money into her hand. Um, at this point, she didn't even know what I had given her, but she started to cry. And she thanked me. And I went back and sat in my seat just a couple of feet away from where she was. And she looked over at me and she said, 
would you mind if I asked you your name? And I said, sure. And I told her my name. And I said, what's yours? And she said, Katie. And she says, I want to pray for you tonight. You know, most people don't know this, but those of us who live together, we get together every night and we pray for the people who help us. And it just, it just broke my heart. This is somebody's child who's out there on the streets. And I'm telling you, she was just as filthy as could be, and you could tell as just desperate as could be out there. And here she is praying for me, not knowing what I did for her. I, I could have put anything in her hand. It could have been a dollar. You know, it was an affirmation for her that God is present and she's important to him. She cares, he cares about her. And um, you never know how that's gonna impact a person, you know, how that might change her life. So here's what, when I heard that story last week, um, and he was telling it to me, lots of emotion. Lots of emotion about a young girl, 20 years old or so, he said, really disheveled, on the streets, saying, well, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> you, can't, you can't buy that with 50 bucks. You can't buy that with 500 bucks. But... You can have those kinds of things happen when there's space in your life. Financially say, okay, this may be the only thing I got in my pocket, but it's not going to be a big deal. Let's live there this week. You up for that? I pray that that's how you get to live this week. And if we can help in any way, again, not to get in your business, but to help you with your business, we'd be glad to do that. It's what we call doing church life together and um, working it out. To help bring this to, uh, uh, put a capstone on this, Tabitha Bilyeu is coming. Tabitha is one of the elders of our church, and um, we've asked different elders and members of the congregation to lead us in prayer in this series. Again, because this is so common, these ideas and these topics are so common among all of us, it seemed best that we would hear from prayers from people within the pews, and Tabitha is coming to lead us right now. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we have heard from your word and your heart what you desire for our financial lives to be. These verses on resources and how you want us to use them are easy to overlook if we tithe and pay our bills and meet our financial obligations. But God, we thank you for your word that convicts us and moves us to change our thinking and actions to come more in line with your plan for our lives. Lord, I pray that you will move in the hearts of all gathered here and instill a desire to live with margin. Guide us and grant us perseverance as changes are made. May our desire for margin stem not just from a need to be physically responsible, but from a desire to be generous, to be able to bless others as we have been blessed. God, I pray that as a church, we will honor you with our finances, whether they be small or great. Help us to remember that you have given us far more than we could ever repay. In your name, amen. 